<laughs> uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 7 as we continue our series in the Psalms called Abide. And uh, Psalm 7 title for this morning is Abiding in God During Personal Injustices. Abiding in God During Personal Injustices. Sounds like an easy topic, right? Right? No problem. All right. So uh, in this life, uh, in this life, uh, you will be unfairly treated. And in this life, you will be maligned. And in this life, you will be gossiped about. And in this life, you will be slandered. Good morning, right? Right? <laughs> um, maybe uh, those times for you, uh, or maybe that is uh, or, or was middle school or high school, or maybe it's at work, or maybe it's in your neighborhood, maybe it's at a holiday table, maybe it's the same person just over and over and over. But it's a reality, all of us are going to face it, and then as Christians, we face it in a particular way, uh, because Jesus says uh, he's persecuted, and so because he's been persecuted, when we're walking with him and really living out his truth, we're going to be persecuted as well. And so Jesus gives us, uh, through David, through Psalm 7 this morning, some aim and some help when we're facing personal injustices. Um, just so that all of us can relate, this is one of those moments where I want all of you to raise your hand, okay? Um, for how many of you has this already happened or is happening? Right? It's good. I just, I want us to, I know it seems a little fake and staged because I said raise your hand, um, but I want us all to understand that all of us have been maligned, all of us have been gossiped about, all of us have been slandered, all of us have been treated unjustly, and uh, we can go to one another for help in times like this and to not do the isolation thing and help one another through it and help one another to God's word through what we're facing. And so for all of us that are facing this currently, uh, I'm sorry. I know it hurts. It's really hard. And God's word has plenty for us this morning. And the things that he's going to show us today um, are his hope for us and his refuge for us. We're going to walk into those things. We're going to look at what those mean as we see the character of God, as we're so tempted to think about the character of other people and their lack of character and how we want to retaliate uh, against them, right? Personal injustices have a way of bringing out the primal in us. Are you with me on that? Uh, you think you're a gentle person or a quiet person and then someone says something mean about you that's not true and all of a sudden you're like a roaring lion. Or maybe you don't roar out loud, but inside you're roaring and you're about to explode. And that's some of the feeling with which we come into Psalm 7. So God has a prayer and a map to help us through personal injustices this morning. So here's the big idea. It's when we're treated unjustly, abide in the God of justice as your refuge. When you're treated unjustly, abide in the God of justice as your refuge. And uh, throughout the sermon today, we're going to talk about the Lord Jesus. And I just want you to realize that the Lord Jesus was the most maligned human being ever. He's the God-man came down. He was so maligned by religious people, irreligious people, everyone. And he's praying for his enemies. He puts his refuge in God. So he's doing, he did the things that are here. He's our model for this. David is our model for this as well. But I want us to recognize that as we're maligned, as we're slandered, as we're gossiped about, as we're unfairly treated, the Lord was as well. 
And so we have fellowship with him, even in the hard things. Okay, so here's what I want to do. Six points today, and they're going to be six inward steps, six inward steps when we want outward revenge during personal injustices, okay? Six inward steps when we want outward revenge during personal injustices. So the first step is this, and it's huge. Take refuge in God. That is the first step. And you got to step out of all the feelings of retaliation, all the feelings of anger. You're just like, refuge in God when these things are coming against us, all right? So look at verses one and two. It says, O Lord, my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. Lest like a lion, they tear my soul apart, rending it in pieces with none to deliver. So David's crying out for refuge. He knows God is his refuge and he's putting his refuge in God. And, and what's happening for David is we know from these past Psalms, from Psalm 3 through Psalm 6, that there's a conspiracy against David that was essentially a smear campaign. A lot of unfair things were said about David and uh, we're gonna, as we go through this passage, we'll talk about how he's innocent from many of the things that are being said about him. The superscript right under uh, Psalm 7 identifies the context of this psalm as a response to Cush, with whom David had no personal interaction. So that's, that's really interesting, right? So we think, huh, David didn't have interaction with this guy. Uh, as, we, as we look through the, the history of the Old Testament, we're like, what could be going on? And then it says that Cush was a Benjaminite, and David was a Judahite, which means the lies against David had spread from one tribe to another. And the lies against David that had spread from one tribe to another have been believed by a lot of other tribes. David's facing that. He's feeling that. The smear campaign against King David successfully spread to other tribes of Israel. So a large percentage of people that David led were gossiping about him, they were slandering him, they were wishing the worst for him, and all for reasons that were patently untrue. And you know what that is? That's maddening. When you know you haven't done what you're being slandered about, when you know you're not what people are saying about you, it is maddening. And God hadn't yet honored David's integrity. And you know what that is? That's bewildering. David's like, God, I, I, I didn't do this, but, but everyone is saying I did and no one is trusting my leadership because of it and no one not only trusts my leadership, but now they don't trust me and they not only don't trust me, they're saying terrible things about me and spreading the lies and it's spreading into all the tribes and you've anointed me to be the future king, so what's going on? David, in the midst of all of those questions, is saying, God, you are my refuge. You are my refuge. In the midst of all of that, the abiding Christian can and must say, God, you are my refuge. There are uh, three things that we tend to do when people are slandering us and throwing us under the bus and saying false things about us, saying mean things about us, whatever that is, right? Three things. Number one is you defend yourself. It's the first thing. The second thing you do is you, is you live as a victim, and that is just not a good play. It's not good. 
And the third thing is retaliation. And I'll just add a fourth. Uh, The fourth one is you just want their demise, right? You get all vindictive. Like, I'm not going to retaliate, but I'm going to celebrate when things go bad for them, right? You get all vindictive. You want their demise. Uh, Two years ago in Matthew, we talked about what turn the other cheek means. And that phrase gets thrown around a lot. And sometimes it's one of those things where you're like, do we really know what that means? And, And here's what turn the other cheek means. It means, in essence, don't retaliate. It means don't retaliate. It means don't, don't play their game. And why? It's because as abiding people, we have a different coach, all right? The coaching from this world is like, go get them, fire back, be angry, prove yourself right, get in an argument even if it's going nowhere. And God is saying, turn the other cheek. The other thing we capture from turn the other cheek is to have your identity in God, to have your identity in God in what God says about you and not in what others say about you and not in those others who are saying those things about you. Because here's what can happen. When, when people are saying things about you, when they're throwing you under the bus, whatever that is, your mind can very quickly go to thinking about them all the time and being afraid of what they're gonna say, being afraid of them, being afraid of how what they're saying and who they are is spreading against you. And that can be an all-encompassing thing that can completely take over your life. And so David, through God's word to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is saying, take refuge in God. Step out of that thinking and into refuge in God. That's the first humongous step when you're facing personal injustices. The effects of abiding in others' gossip about you and the effects of abiding in others' slander toward you and the effects of abiding in others' lies about you, it shreds you like a lion would shred your soul. It shreds you. And we all know that. We felt that. But what God is saying is those things can continue to occur, but you can step out of them and into the refuge of God. Who he is and what he says about you rather than letting your entire mind and person being overcome by what other people are falsely saying about you. And y'all, that is so important. It is so important. Like, who are you listening to? Who defines who you are? It's the Lord, right? And then when you come to Christ, the Lord redefines who you are. And then he transforms you and you're thinking different things. You're believing different things. You're looking at different things. You're looking at him. You're thinking of his character and not even your own. You're not even maligning the other people that are maligning you. You're thinking about him and and he's gonna unpack that for us as we go through Psalm 7. This is life-changing because here's the deal. We are gonna be maligned the rest of our lives until we're in heaven and then we're like, this is amazing, None of the terrible things happen anymore. But here we can be equipped with this prayer, right? The effects of abiding in others' gossip and slander and lies about you shreds us, but the effects of abiding in God's truth about who you are and who he is steadies you. It steadies you. So Psalm 2 says, blessed are those who take refuge in Jesus, right? And that's exactly what, what David is doing. He is abiding in Jesus with his word. That is the the big idea of the Psalms. It's a big idea of our uh, year this year. Abide in Jesus with his word. And David took God at his word. So the question is, do you? Do you take God at his word? Do you believe that you can go into him and be safe? That you can come under him as your refuge and be safe and find that in him? Do you take him at his word? And what it does is it creates a contrast. It's, It's who they are they who are saying things versus who God is. 
And without, without this process, all you're thinking about is who they are. Or all you're thinking about is what they say or what they've said. And what these verses in Psalm 7 is telling us is think about what God says about you. Think about who God is rather than who they are and what they are saying about you. It creates these contrast. Do you take God at his word? Are you taking refuge in God? So here's the second point this morning. The second one is this, and maybe this is a bit surprising. It was surprising to me as I was studying this week. The second point is be a person of integrity. Right, what do you do when, you're, when, you're, when all of these personal injustices are coming at you? One of the temptations we have is like, man, I'm, I'm going to get them back, right? We've already talked about that a little bit. Or I feel so crushed and low, I'm just going to sin a little because it feels good. Like God hasn't delivered me yet, so I'm, just, I'm not going to do the thing they're, they're saying I do, but I'm going to do something else because it just feels good and it gives me a little lift. And instead, be a person of integrity. Look at this, verses three through five. It says, oh Lord, my God, if, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it and let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Selah. That's a risky prayer. This prayer is called an oath formula. Job does it in Job 31. It's called an oath formula. And uh, I just wrote in my notes, proceed with caution, right? The likely accusation against David was that he had tried to kill King Saul. And David hadn't tried to kill King Saul. And David knew that, and God, better yet, knew that. And so David knew he uh, was, was clean of these accusations, and God knew that he was clean of these accusations, and, and David had for sure completed a search me and know me and cleanse me of any unclean way within me audit. Y'all know that, that verse in the Psalms, Lord, search me and know me and make known to me any unclean way within me. That, that's, like a, that's an audit with the Lord. You're like, God, I, I confess my sins. Um, I confess this sin, this sin. I know these sins, but Lord, what else? What other unclean way is within me? And would you reveal those to me so that I can repent and, and be holy for you, Lord, to honor you? And so David had completed an audit like that. He knows before the Lord he is innocent of these accusations about which he's being assailed. And so that's giving him confidence, like God knows I didn't do this. Everyone else thinks I did, but it's more important to me that God knows I didn't. And that's becoming enough for David, which is really powerful. Though indicted by everyone else, God plus David's conscience denied the charges. Uh, two weeks ago, we were at the GCC uh, yearly church conference, and I shared a little bit about it uh, last week. So um, it was 800 people, amazing, and a man named Crawford Loritz was uh, leading one of the sessions, and it was called Unashamed Integrity. Here's what's cool about Crawford is when I was a student at NC State, he would speak at Crew, and he's still speaking at church conferences. How long ago was I at NC State? Like 20-some years ago? So, right. so like Crawford is finishing well, and he's preaching on unashamed integrity, or unashamed integrity, and um, a worthy man to preach that subject. And he said something that I just immediately wrote down. He said, heighten what it means to be a godly person. Heighten what it means to be a godly person. 
How many of you would agree that just in church culture in general and and, in our culture for sure, what it means to be a godly person has lowered? And it's like compromise, compromise, compromise. It's good. We're, We're still better than most, but like we've lowered. And he is saying heighten what it means not. He doesn't mean add rules, right? We're not trying to be Pharisees. He's saying just honor God at his word. Like, don't just be in the stream, the stream of, of culture, what everybody else is doing. Honor God's word and be a person of integrity. Heighten what it means to be a godly person. The word integrity is a mathematical term for things being whole and strong. Uh, the, it comes from the root word integer, meaning anything complete in itself or indivisible. It's also an engineering term, meaning that a building or a bridge does what it was designed to do and when tested by circumstances, remains whole. And I find that very helpful because it's so easy to give into sin or to fall into a bad mental pattern when you're being assailed. Because, but that's the moment where your integrity is tested. Even when you're innocent of something and someone's saying that you're not, your integrity is tested so much in those moments and that's exactly what the word means. When tested by circumstances, you remain whole. So are you a person of integrity? Are you a person of integrity? When people say things about you, it's important to be like, is some of that true? Right? David, in this case, was innocent, but, but we're not always innocent. David wasn't always innocent when people said things about him. This psalm is particularly about personal injustices when you're innocent and how to handle that. But he's still talking about integrity here, and he's going to mention the word again in a few verses. So are you a person of integrity? Am I a person of integrity? And the answer to that is no. But the approach to that is we want to be. Right? We know we're sinners, and we know we're forgiven by the Lord, but we want to heighten what it means to be godly. We want to be people of integrity who when people say terrible things about us that are untrue, we're like, that's not true. I didn't do that or I don't think that or I, don't, I didn't mean that, right? Be a person of integrity. So a question here is, a question here is how? Like how, how, do, how do I be a person of integrity when I am tempted so much and when I'm, I'm so kind of gutted by what people say. How do I be a person of integrity? Where do I, where do I gather that strength from? And it's, it's from the character of God. So here's the next point. It's believe that God will judge justly. Believe that God will judge justly. We're already thinking about the character of God, that he's our refuge. We're already thinking about his holiness because of integrity. And, and these things are just aiming us up, right? This is who the Lord is. This is his character. This is who he is. And, and we're thinking about who we're not and who others are not. So we think on God's character. It stabilizes us. Here, David immediately goes to the justice of God. He is just and will judge justly. Verses six and seven say, arise, O Lord, in your anger. There's, a, there's an interesting prayer, right? Like there's some, there's some very interesting prayers in Psalm 7 already, some amazing lines that we just think, okay, wow, we can say these things to the Lord. He says, arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me. You have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples be gathered about you. Over it, return on high. Meaning it, meaning the assembly of the people. He's saying, God, come over 
your covenant people. So do you hear David trusting that God will judge? Do you hear it? Do you read it? Do you see it? David, this man who is maligned, is trusting that God will judge. I'm thinking about this. When do you want judgment against people who are saying untrue things about you? When do, when do you want the judgment? The answer is now. I want it right now. You don't even want it coming out of their mouth. It's like an instantaneous thing, like, Lord, smite them right now. <laughs> David here is, he's trusting that the Lord is judge. Verse seven, when it says return on high, it's really there, the, the language there is mirroring uh, Psalm two, verse six again, which keeps coming up in all of these Psalms, right? It's why Psalms one and two is setting up the entire Psalter for us, right? Uh, what the words really mean, return on high, is take your seat. Psalm 2.6 is, is God the Father saying, I have set my son on my holy hill, The subject of Psalm 2 is, why do the nations rage against my anointed? And so David is praying and thinking about Psalm 2, and he's like, Lord, it doesn't feel like you're reigning over your people and protecting your people right now. I know you are, I trust you are, but would you come over your people that are gathered to you and over it return on high? Here's another interesting thing. It's David who's being slandered. It's David who's being maligned. It's David who's being gossiped about. It's David who's receiving the personal injustices. But now David is praying for all of God's people. That's one thing that happens when you think about the character of God. It's no longer about you. It's no longer about the people that have said things. It's certainly no longer about what they said. Now you're thinking about the character of God and you're thinking about the people of God. Personally for David, by him praying, uh, God, you will judge justly, he is doing two things. He's releasing two things. Number one, he's releasing revenge to God. He's releasing revenge to God. That's that primal thing that's in us, right? And you gotta release that. You're gonna get yourself in trouble, right? The second thing he's releasing is he's releasing the timing to God. He wants immediate justice. But he's like, Lord, I trust you and your timing. So think about this. God is just. That's his character, correct? He is just. There is a penalty for sin. God knows that. So he sends Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin that by believing in him, we can be saved. God is just. His justice is seen on the cross. Jesus pays the penalty. He rises from the dead. He changes the whole thing. God is just. And because God is just, he must judge Because God is just, he must judge. So knowing this about the Lord, again, he's thinking about God's character. Knowing this, David is tapping out of the revenge mindset and he's tapping out of the ill will towards enemies mindset because he's believing that God will judge justly. And what that does for David is it turns his primal instincts into prayer. It turns his primal instincts into prayer. So the next two points are about prayer. Verses eight through 11, pray for the end of wickedness. Think about how different the subject is than the very beginning of the psalm. It's the same subject, but now the object is different, right? I should have said how different the object is. Pray for the end of wickedness. I, I, praying for the end of wickedness is a common thing that I'm doing when I'm watching and reading the news right now. 
we, we've said for years, uh, if you watch the news, pray the news. If you read the news, pray the news, right? Uh, don't watch or, or read so much that you don't have time to pray about it, what you're reading, okay? And ask the Lord. So pray for the end of wickedness. Verses 8 through 11 say, Say, the Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness. So you can see there's kind of a cycle of what he's thinking about, but it's getting bigger and broader. And he says, and according to the integrity that is in me. Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end, that you may establish the righteous. You who test the minds and hearts, O righteous God, my shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. David deeply desires the end of wickedness and we must as well. It's honestly, it's hard to watch the news and not desire the end of wickedness. But David knows, as do we, that the final end of wickedness follows judgment. And that puts pause in his spirit because he's thinking, I want people to repent before they are finally judged. I want people to be saved. So now David's doing this loving your enemies thing. These people that are saying these terrible things about him, he wants them to repent and believe because he realizes that God is righteous. He realizes that God is judge. He realizes that the shield is Jesus and he wants Jesus for everyone. It says that God feels indignation daily, but he also offers righteousness daily. How? Verse 10. Our shield is with God. Who is that? His name is Jesus, right? In Jesus, we place our faith. He bore our sins. He paid our penalty for sin. He's our shield against the wrath of God against our sins. So the question is, is your faith in Jesus? Is your faith in what Jesus has done for you? Not in your innocence in a moment because we're not innocent broadly. We're sinners broadly. Is your faith in Jesus? And when your faith is in Jesus, he transforms you. You're adopted as his son or daughter. And you want that same forgiveness and transformation and deliverance from future judgment to be offered to everybody, even your enemies. Prior to the end of wickedness, we want and must labor toward as many people being made righteous by Jesus as possible. May many, many people come to Jesus because of our faithful witness, church family. So David, rather than the, these primal instincts, it's prayerful, so he's praying for the end of wickedness. He's also praying for repentance for yourself and for others, verses 12 through 16. When, God, when, God when you go to God and you're like, Lord, I, you're my refuge and here's what I'm facing, he's gonna walk you through something like this and you're gonna go from very world-focused things and he's gonna remind you of who he is and he's gonna remind you of his big plan and he's gonna put you back on kingdom come mission. And so he's praying, pray for repentance for yourself and for others. 12 through 16, it says, if a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his daily, his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. Judgment's real. Then verse 14 says, Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. 
He makes a pit digging it out and falls into the hole that he made. His mischief returns upon his own head and on his own skull his violence descends. This is a clinic on the importance of repentance and the cost if we and others do not repent. So have you repented before God for your sin and believed on Jesus Christ for salvation? There's three reasons why it's absolutely mission critical for you and everyone to repent. Number one is the fury of God from verses 12 through 13. He's a just judge. He is loading judgment. We have a really clear picture here that God is preparing the judgment and his patience right now is for one thing and it's toward repentance and belief. David knows that, he's reminded of that. The second reason why it's so important to repent now is because of the fertility of sin. I know it's a strange phrase, but think about this, the fertility of sin. Stop wickedness when it's in seed form of temptation before it gives birth to sin and then grows bigger and bigger in your life. Have y'all ever noticed that when you give a little, a little way for sin or temptation, it just grows bigger and bigger and like three days later, it's out of control. You're like, what am I gonna do? I wish I had nipped this three days ago. We talk about how healthy things multiply. Well, so do unhealthy things. So know this, right? It's one reason to repent early, quick, as soon as you are even close to wickedness, the fertility of wickedness. And then the third one is the futility of sin. The futility of sin. It's futile. The world says it's not, but it is. God says it is, so who are we gonna trust, right? You fall into the pit you dug for another person. You who gossip will be gossiped about. Uh, Your evil web entangles you. These truths from 15 and 16, so pray for repentance for yourself and others because you know this is what lack of repentance will lead to. Pray for repentance for yourself and others. And then the psalm closes with verse 17. And it's praise God that he is righteous. Praise God that he is righteous. Perhaps at the beginning of the psalm, you're thinking, we're thinking David's innocent. So like, he's like, Lord, I'm righteous. But David's not thinking about himself at all at the end of the psalm. He's thinking about God's righteousness. He's thinking about God's character because he's made God his refuge. Verse 17 says, I will give thanks to the Lord do his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the most high. He's saying what, what others have said is not righteous. He's saying, I'm, I'm not righteous. He's saying, I, I'm innocent of this thing, but the Lord is the righteous one and I give him praise. He's the judge, he's the refuge, he's holy, he's my shield. I praise him for his righteousness. You've said it before, but it's very easy when you're facing personal injustices to think only about what those people have said about you or to think only about those people and it can become all-consuming. But right now, verse 17, he's not thinking about that much anymore. It's still happening, but his object now is the Lord and that's what we keep talking about. The Psalms are bringing a subject to the Lord and then the Lord, through the prayer that he's giving us, moves our object to be him, not the object of the thing that we're facing. We think, oh, God, what God does is he, he, changes, he changes things. Like he's still being maligned. But what God did is he changed David and he can change you as well as we face difficult things. I want you all to consider that Jesus, 
that Jesus is the righteous one. He's the righteous one. He's the most hated human ever, yet perfectly innocent. He was hated by religious people, irreligious people, and he was killed. He didn't retaliate when he was hated, and he sacrificed himself for his enemies because there was something bigger at stake than defending himself, than retaliation, than their demise. What was bigger for Jesus? It's that people could be saved. It's that people could be forgiven. On the cross, looking down at the very executioner who nailed a nail through his wrist, he's saying, forgive him, Father, for he knows not what he does. So that's six inward steps when wanting outward revenge toward during personal injustices. In short, what happens is your subject is personal injustices. That's the subject. And it's a big one. And it's a hurtful one. But through prayer, your object will become God's righteousness. And that's deeper than any insult can cut. Right? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word and um, Psalm 7 in particular this morning. Holy Spirit, some of us are being maligned right now, slandered, gossiped about. Some of us are prepping for it because the holiday tables are coming. I know that's a thing in our church, has been. So God, I just wanna walk us through some prayer time now, it's personal time with you. And so first, Holy Spirit, I I just want to ask you um, to identify in, in each individual here for them uh, who it is that said something or that something that's been said um, that you would like to change their object about today. So Lord, what is that? And church family, let the Spirit show you that and let the Spirit walk you through it toward the refuge that is God. And then Spirit, would you remind us, as is your ministry, as Jesus said is your ministry, it's better that Jesus goes back to heaven and sends the Spirit so you can minister to us to remind us of truth. I pray that you would remind us of the character of God. Lord, that you are our refuge. When lies are said about us, when terrible things have been done to us, you are our refuge. And that you are holy, and that motivates us to want to be holy, to honor you and be people of integrity. That you, Lord, are judge. And that we can tap out of the revenge game, we can tap out of the needing it now game. That you, Lord, are our shield. Jesus, you are our shield. Jesus, you are our righteousness. You are righteousness applied to us. The more we think about this, the less it's about them and about what has been said, and it's, the mo it's most about who you are and what you say about us. Forgiven, adopted, loved, headed to heaven, given a better truth and a better way than what this world offers. 
So God, we have our refuge in you. Help us walk in it. And Lord, we don't do this alone. Help us walk with others in it. When we are maligned, help us confess that and share that with one another for support and help. Even move us to pray Psalm 7 over one another. And God, we want repentance for this world. We want belief for this world. We want the end of wickedness, but we recognize the end of wickedness. Jesus is your return, and then it's too late for people to repent and believe. So we pray, Lord, that throughout this world, throughout this planet, every tongue, tribe, and nation, that people would come to faith in you. You can only do that. You are the only one who can transform souls. And so, God, we pray that you would. And would we be about sharing the good news of Jesus with others? Lord, we we love our enemies, and we want their salvation. We have been delivered. We pray that they would be also. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, by the power of your spirit. Amen.